All right, college baseball fans, welcome to the Weekend 5 preview edition of this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have 10 series that we want to talk about that really caught our attention. Most of them are, you know, Big 12, SEC, ACC, and Pac-12. Um, there's a couple of, like mid-major series that we're interested in as well. But we're going to get you guys ready for a fun, packed weekend full of college baseball. Now that college baseball is getting a little social media acknowledgement uh, from the bigger accounts out there, we're growing like crazy. We're getting a ton of new listeners per episode, a lot of new followers on Twitter, getting very close to that 10,000 Twitter follower mark, which is unbelievable thinking we only started this, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. So um, basically what we're going to do is just go through some of the series that, that have our interest and we're going to talk about them. We're going to see, we're going to get you guys prepared on what to look forward to. Uh, and then at the end of this episode, we have that very special interview with Casey Dykes, AAA hitting coach for the New York Yankees. Someone that's been around college baseball for a long time and, you know, was at schools like Indiana and Virginia military and Western Kentucky. And probably one of the most likable guys in college baseball we've had. I remember whenever we interviewed him two years ago that a ton of people reached out to us and it was like, you got to get Casey Dykes on the show. You got to get Casey Dykes on the show. He's the best when it comes to, you know, talking about volunteer assistance and talking about uh, like how to grow the game of college baseball. He's definitely a visionary and the New York Yankees were lucky enough to hire him on as a full-time hitting coach because he is somebody that knows the game better than anybody else, I think, in his age group. So um, anyways, you guys look forward to that. We have the weekend series, pick them with him, five series that we're going to go through. And uh, he did his research. He did an unbelievable job picking these games. And I'm actually really intimidated thinking he's going to sweep the board. So anyways, Dimitri, the first series I want to talk about is this Florida versus Texas A&M series. Two teams that have shown signs of severe weaknesses and then two teams that have also shown signs of dominance. So getting ready for it. This actually starts Thursday. So this one's probably already started by the time you're listening to this episode. Game one's probably over with. And really, I mean, I love when SEC play, they do these Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournaments. Just Mix it up. So it's not all super Friday heavy. Yeah. So, I mean, these games are usually shown either on SEC network or ESPNU and they're fun. The Thursday night series, this one's going to be a tough one because ben, I just want to add this. Do you think the TV rating for the SEC play is going to be like way higher this year than normal with all the interaction? The a million percent. I feel like way more people are going to actually sit down and watch SEC baseball. I'm not yeah. asking people to sit down and watch some major on ESPN three, but if you're going to sit down and watch a college baseball game on TV and watching the SEC, I love it because now more people are going to understand what's going on. Right. Well, you know what, Demetri? I actually saw some things on Twitter and Reddit where ESPN's looking at broadcasting more college baseball games because they don't have the MLB, um, they don't have the MLB tie-ins, right? You know, they have NBA playoffs going on in the uh, in the summertime, but MLB is really dominated by Fox and MLB Network. So there's actually talks being going on through Reddit that college baseball is going to be kind New of baseball? like a prime, like a primetime ESPN two, ESPN U, maybe even ESPN. Uh, moving forward some, Dude, for some of these yes finally yeah. it's about freaking time that you can sit on a friday night and put on espn and watch your sec week series of the week or whatever the case may be right so i think the, the leadership over at espn and even fox sports and all that are starting to look at some of the engagements that college baseball is getting recently on social media and say you know what there might be a hundred thousand people that would sit down and watch this game um and so hundred thousand i i think i think I might not, I might, my numbers might be way off, but is a hundred thousand really low for like an ESPN? 
I mean, dude, they show bowling on ESPN two every Sunday morning. I know. No I, I mean, dude, I, I I love watching bowling. Who who <laughs> are you? Uh, who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> One of the all time quotes. Um, but hey, can we? Can I ask you? Like, what did that mean? I, I think it was just the heat of the moment. That bowler just didn't know what to say. Never was a popular guy growing who you, up. And, who do you think you are? I am. So I, I, I do. I can't tell you how much time I spent trying to figure out what the hell he meant by that. Yeah, and for those of you that don't know, please go on YouTube and type in "Who do you think I you are? I am," and watch the video. That bowler was locked in. <laughs> Everybody's good at something, and that guy could just he can spin a ball and and roll a three hundred or whatever they do there. But uh, oh man, you made me lose my train of thought. Should oh, I know. We start, I should we start a bowling podcast? No, absolutely not. Maybe like a bowling league, maybe a maybe a drunk bowling league on Wednesday nights or something. But I know I was going to say, going back to Florida versus Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M's pitching staff is loaded. Florida's, uh, Florida's pitching staff is loaded. But what team is going to put it together this weekend? Um, obviously, this is on our weekend pick em, which we've already done. We don't need uh, to make picks. We just need to break it down. I yeah. think that's fair. Both of these teams have shown like very, very vulnerable moments. Like obviously, Florida came into the season unanimous number one. That everybody was high on Florida thinking they could even go like 50 and six this year, something like that. And they, they lose opening weekend to Miami and they kind of been teetering on that, like either blow teams out or lose the close game. And we saw them lose the close game against Jacksonville. Not what a very good ben, team. What do I say all the time? What do great teams do? They win the close game. And Florida, I mean, any kind of close game Florida's been in, they really haven't won. And Texas AM was a team that also started off slow and they've actually won. I think 13 of their last 14 games. Holy and shit, Ben. Listen to this. Florida, two, a two-run game, they beat Miami. They won. One-run game, they lost. Two-run game, they lost. Three-run game, they won. Five-run, four-run, they won. 16, whatever. They've, the one-run game against Samford, they won 10-9. to nine. Very next game against FAU, they lost 3-2. to two. And Then the next one-run game they had, they lost to Jacksonville 10-9. to nine. They've been in one, two, three, four one-run games. They're one and three. Wow. So if it comes down to a one-run game, it might lean Texas A&M here. But what I was saying with Casey, um, Casey Dykes on the interview, I, I think that Texas A&M is going to use this as a business trip. This isn't like spring break in Florida. Let's go have fun. Let's go get our, key, our teeth kicked in. They're going to show up to Florida. I think, I mean, obviously there right now, it's Wednesday night that we're recording this. They're there right now taking BP on the field. And they're there thinking, you know, we're going to knock off this team that everybody was high on. And we're going to come in as sleepers and we're going to win Friday night with, uh, I'm not sure if they're starting Childress or if they're starting your boy uh, Bryce Miller, but whoever they throw out there. Saying. Saying. I mean, it doesn't matter who they start. I mean, they're going to be ready to play. I like Texas A&M a lot in this spot because I think Florida's going to kind of overlook them. Yeah, just say like, ah, we're better than them, more talented, which they are. But, uh, dude, how many times have we seen SEC schools at home lose Friday night in a game that they should have won? I mean, it happens every year. I mean, of course, but, dude, you got to remember, Florida does this all the time where they just like, they're mid, they're out of conference, is whatever. People freak out, oh, they're not that good. Then SEC plays showed up and they steamroll. They start winning so many games. Last year was weird. Like last year, I remember last year, or two years ago was weird where they barely got in the tournament. But they were so young. They had so many issues. 
I think Florida, I think Florida, dude, they're going to be good. They're going to be just fine because this is what they play for. They care about Omaha. They care about the SEC. This is what they play for. So, I mean, I'm not saying Texas A&M can't win two out of three. I 100% think they can. Their pitching staff is incredible right now. Dustin Cyan, Jonathan Childress, and Bryce Miller, and Chandler Joe Joesbiak. Joesbiak. I played with his. I played with his older brother at Berlin. Okay, um, they have 36, 36, 35, 33 strikeouts. They're averaging over a strikeout inning, almost two. Some of them, and all three of the their ERA. Childress one eleven, Cyan one seventy one, Bryce Miller two seventy five, and they all throw hard. They all have big old put away stuff. They could very easily win two out of three. A hundred percent. I think they're, you know what the issue was? You remember we were talking about the, they, they're hit their bat earlier in the year. They couldn't hit. Right. So if they can hit, maybe this Texas A&M team in danger. Right. Well, dude, have you ever noticed like, like watching clips of Texas A&M hitting home runs, dude, their bats sound different. And I don't want to accuse them of cheating. Cause I don't think that's the case, but why do their bats sound so much louder and have more ping to them than the other two? I don't know what, I don't know what bats Texas A&M uses. I don't either, but I think uh, we're going to open up an investigation here because ever since that opening weekend, their bats sound different. Uh, they, they sound a little different. Oh, whatever, know. whatever. I am not going to listen to you talk about their bats because I have no <laughs> idea, and I highly to... doubt, I highly doubt there's any substantial evidence to we'll it. We'll see. We'll see. I, I want to open up an FBI investigation on that. But Anyway, so, yeah, great theory. Um, I think this is the first time we truly understand what Florida, how good Florida is. And I think, I mean, everybody picked Texas A&M to finish last in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. Didn't they? Didn't they? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean. Oh, I'm talking I, about I'm talking about national media. Yeah, well, we are national media. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> Not really. No, uh, but but anyway, seriously, though, I think this is the first time we truly understand what Florida is all about. Right. Um, moving on to the next series, we have South Carolina at Vanderbilt. South Carolina, I think, is a bunch of pretenders now. And hand up, I got that one wrong. I was overhyped in South Carolina. I said, you know, if Vegas came out with lines, I would jump on them right now to win the College World Series. They are not good. They, I mean, they're good, but they're not unbelievably good like I thought they were. I think Vandy definitely wins when Kumar pitches, definitely wins when Lighter pitches. But the, ma- the main thing that I'm focused on in this series is Wes Clark going up against those two big league arms, Kumar Rocker and, and Jack Lighter. I want to see what Wes Clark is made of, because I know those two guys are going to straight up challenge Wes Clark and say, here's my best stuff, please. They're not walking him. No way. But let, me, no. let me ask you this. South Carolina just played Texas. They faced Ty Madden. They faced a pretty good Texas pitching staff. Maybe maybe they're ready for this now. Maybe now they're not so starstruck. They're not deer in the headlights. Like, oh, my God, this guy's so good. Maybe they're like, okay, dude, we faced Ty Madden. He freaked us out. Like, we were, you know, whatever. Maybe they roll in with a little more, like, more comfort. Maybe maybe they're a little more comfortable. I'm not saying Kumar and Jack Leiter are average pitchers. They're, 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 they're going to dominate. But maybe South Carolina can beat Kumar if far because – if Far can shove and South Carolina gets that big two-run hit, two-out hit, next thing you know it, South Carolina might can walk away with a Friday night win. What are the odds that Kumar throws seven more shutout innings? I mean, he has not given up a run since like 2018. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying. It's a matter of time when he gives up a run. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's going to happen. I'm sure it probably happens that- this weekend. But Do you think South Carolina has any chance to win this weekend? No. 
No, not okay. not through the eyeball test. But not again, through, this is the eyeball test. But this this season SEC, has been. We're, we're forgetting. Look at the ACC. They're beating up on each other. Right, and I expect that. But and this season has been so inconsistent, man. Everybody is beating everybody, and it's awesome. It's cool to see that there's not one team. But right now, there's one team that I think is is better than everybody else. I think Kyle Peterson said it best. You ain't beating Vanderbilt two out of three this year. You ain't doing it. And if you do, you got lucky. I wouldn't. I mean, maybe there's a team better than Vanderbilt that we haven't seen yet. But no. But if you beat Vanderbilt two out of three, just go ahead and say you got lucky. South Carolina is looking to get one win this weekend. I mean, obviously they're looking to sweep. I'm not going to say that they're no, but, expecting but, to lose two, but, but if they get one, it's a successful road trip. Yep. Go one and two first SEC road trip. Let's get the hardest team out of the way. That's coast from not, that's not a that's not a panic weekend at all. Yeah. Now I'll tell you a team that could have a panic weekend, and that's LSU, because LSU well, get, talk about yeah LSU. LSU is hosting Mississippi State this weekend. LSU looks like they're in trouble. They're hitting the mayday button, the eject button. Like uh oh, these mid major teams they're they're giving us trouble. Now we have to host Mississippi State first weekend and and, and uh, hey and Ben. They ain't hitting home runs to bail themselves out of games. Mississippi State is not going to be giving up three-run homers in the 10th inning. If you could take Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt starting staff and Mississippi State's bullpen, that would be – I mean, I think that would beat most double-A most, most double professional teams. But you can't knock on Mississippi State starting pitching. They're incredible too. Oh, of course. But, but what I'm saying is LSU, you're not getting the opportunity to hit – you're not getting three-run homers in the ninth inning to tie a game and bail yourself out. Right. You've got to put together three, four quality inning between the first and the eighth inning, ninth inning. I mean, shit, you better do it in the first sixth inning because by the time old boy gets in there. Landon Sims. By the time Landon Sims gets in there, it's all game. <laughs> Dude, that guy, I mean, between what him and Kumar Rocker are doing this year, uh, it's, it's just preposterous. LSU needs to have a lead after sixth inning to have a chance. Because if they're down by two or more runs in the seventh, eighth inning, pack your shit up and go hit the shower. It's yeah. over. I agree. I ex- I fully expect Mississippi State to sweep this weekend. I I, I, think I, do, I, left- I hate I dude SEC sweeps are nearly are they're so hard. But dude, I have zero faith in LSU. Mississippi State is by far and away the better team. It is a rivalry weekend. Alex Box. It's going to be packed. But I, I look at LSU as like. You know the girls out there that look great with makeup and all that, and and I hate comparing this. When to you wake up on Sunday morning, you're like, "Are you the same person?" Yeah, they, they, that don't, what you're the trying to say? they don't have the makeup on. You're like, oh, "This is not what I thought it was." Like, that's how I look at their team right now. It's like early in the season, they had their makeup on, they were looking good. Right now, good it's like TV. they were good look, for highlights against look them. look good on TV, making unbelievable comeback wins, and then now you're starting to see them like in tough positions. Which, dude, I mean, you look at the record; they still have a great record right now. But nothing that it's, they've done showed it's me the most that, misleading record ever, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's such a fake f- freaking record. Yeah, like once they get into the real test of uh, SEC play, I think this could go downhill fast for LSU. I, I have no faith in them right now, and I hope they prove me wrong. But you got to remember, Jaden Hill can very well go out there and throw seven shutout innings. Yeah, and Michael, oh my God, Michael, no, um, oh my God, what's his name? Mike Mikhail, Mikhail, their reliever. He's he's a stud too. Yeah. So we got to remember it's the SEC. It's like the big league. 
just because you're playing the Baltimore Orioles doesn't mean the Baltimore Orioles, they might suck in, ter- in terms of MLB. But you got to remember, they're still big leaguers. They're yeah. still really freaking good. Right. So you got to remember, LSU might not, they might get swept, but they can very easily just take two out of three because everybody just played a hell of a weekend. Because they're still the SEC. We're forgetting it's, it is at Alex Box Stadium, which uh, I don't know how many fans they're allowing into the games, but that place can get hostile. And not that Mississippi State is going to be intimidated by it because they probably play in a much bigger, louder stadium than that. But I don't know, dude. I think I think Alex Box. I think for some reason, whatever they have in the air in Baton Rouge, because Death Valley is so loud. Alex Box is so loud. Like when you hear it on TV, it's so loud. Yeah, props to their fans, dude, because their fans come out and they're diehards and. You never have a point where you have to question the, the fan part of LSU sports. But anyways, yeah. but anyways, yeah. I think I think Landon Sim, I think Sarantola had a good weekend. I, I'm pretty sure they're giving him the start again this weekend. Mississippi State fan bitch about um Sarantola what put the next guy in there, but you gotta remember when Sarantola has his best stuff, he's elite. Oh yeah. So I, I don't know, dude. I think I think Mississippi State will win too, no doubt about it. Can they sweep? Because they're gonna need you need every win this year if you want to win the SEC. South Carolina. So between South Carolina, Texas AM, and LSU, if they if they can all get one win, that's a successful weekend for them. No, LSU needs two at home. Eh, I wouldn't to, say for that. to be successful, Ben, you gotta win two at home. You gotta win the series at home in the in conference play. You, come on, you know that. I know that, but I'm saying like talent wise, if they can get one, that's success. I'm I'm thinking they get swept. I'm no, putting it. I'm putting it in a pencil that they get swept at home. Losing a series, just getting one game is absolutely not acceptable for a team's perspective. You've got to win the series at home. I agree. I agree, but I don't think they will. I don't think there's any. I mean, I'm not saying, will. dude, dude. You're, you're. I think you're missing my. I'm about to get <laughs> I angry now. Your point. <laughs> I'm not saying what I think is going to happen, but for it to be successful, damn it. <laughs> I'm just trying to get you fired up, D, because we still got seven more series we want to talk about. Um, that's all for the SEC right now. I know there's plenty of other games going on, but we didn't want this to be an SEC-loaded show. Uh, I want to move off to some of the Big 12 matchups. We don't talk because, about the SEC a whole lot. Yeah, we do, I mean, we up. do, but we do, we do, but like sometimes I think we we don't give SEC the, the t- attention it deserves. Right. Well, I mean, it deserves a lot of intention, but Oklahoma State versus Texas Tech, Dimitri. Um, Texas Tech is the hottest team in America right now, in my opinion. They've won like 14 straight, maybe 15 now. And Oklahoma State's kind of been struggling since they got that tie with Grand Grand Canyon. Now, Oklahoma State, they just lost against Louisiana – or, sorry, Louisiana Monroe on the midweek. And they're going to Texas Tech. And we always talk about the home field advantage Texas Tech plays with. I don't know what it is about Lubbock, but – Teams have trouble going in there and winning ball games. I think Oklahoma State's very talented. We saw them beat Vanderbilt on Sunday, which was good. They, they took a game. They took one out of three from Vanderbilt. They lost the two games they probably should have lost, and they won the game they should have won. So this one kind of intrigues me because now that Texas is back into the picture in the Big 12 and TCU, you never know with TCU, but they could be they could be fine. I believe Honestly, that- dude, I think – the same thing we're saying about, you know, some of these other teams haven't played a whole bunch of people. Who the hell is Texas A&M, Texas Tech beat? Nobody, dude. You want to know who they've beaten, Ben? 
it's going to surprise you. You're going to be like, what? They lost every game opening weekend, right? Yeah, to the SEC. And then they beat Houston Baptist, Texas Southern, Texas State, Sam Houston, Corpus Christi, and Gonzaga, and UConn. Those are the, those are the teams they've beaten. So it is very fair to say who the hell have they beaten. Yeah, that's fair. And Oklahoma State might walk in there and take the series. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but who the hell has Texas A&M played? They, you, Texas ben, Tech. You ben, keep saying Texas A&M. Listen to this. Listen to this. You just said Texas Tech is the hottest team in the country. I, I agree to differ. Listen to this. I'm going to start with Corpus Christi. They beat them four to three. Gonzaga, they beat them five to four. Gonzaga, they beat them five to four. UConn, they beat them four to three. UConn, they beat them 10 to three. So that's their biggest win in three weeks. UConn, they beat them 15 to 13. And then UConn, they beat them nine to eight with back-to-back-to-back home runs to beat them in the, in the ninth inning. So one, two, three, four, five of their last seven games have been by one run against who, I mean, I'm not knocking on Gonzaga, but who the hell have they played? So maybe Texas Tech isn't real either. Just just throwing that out there. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, we, we can't have a double uh, was a double-sided sword with, with some people. We can't pick and choose. That does follow our logic. Like, who have they beaten? But they have beaten everybody over the last three weeks. You gotta you gotta count wins when you can. And I think you tweeted it earlier today about you know how hard it is actually to sweep a team. It is hard in college baseball, it's hard to get up all three games, especially for multiple weeks in a row. That's why I really like I'm intrigued by this series because I think this is going to separate, you know, who who is a real contender to win the Big 12 and who might finish like fourth or fifth. I don't, That's these, all I was saying. Dude, speaking of the Big 12, I still stand by my statement. Texas will not win the Big 12. They will not be know. in top two. I don't know, man. I think the way they're playing right now, dude, they're gonna dude, they're gonna dude, win every Friday. Dude, they're gonna win don't every do Friday. it to yourself. Don't do it this to yourself. I know. We say we say this happened. It's been happening since 1998. Okay, whenever the last time Texas won their last national championship, 2002. 2002. Dude, Texas might look good. They might be playing well. When it comes to the Big 12, they shit the bed every year for the the last recent memory. So yeah, they've well, been, been to I'm a not, few College World Series. Like they went in 2016, I, know, I, know. I believe, I'm, I'm, and then they came I'm, in second, 2009. I'm giving them a hard time, but dude. Hey, just watch. I have a feeling Texas is gonna hit hit the fan. Shit's gonna hit the fan a little bit. Well, they're gonna win every Friday with Ty Madden on the mound. I'm convinced of that. Anyways, um, Florida State Miami. This this series is something that you know you like Miami a lot. I like Florida State a lot. Give me your best selling point on why Miami is gonna win this series. Dude, Miami, like, dude, they're pitching. It's good. Like, Ooh. I think their pitching is like all right, like pretty good. Hold on, hold on. Just, just let me, let me just let, let me rattle some things for you. Let me just rattle some things for you. Their number one reliever, their closer, Rosario, throws ninety-eight. He, so does everybody else nowadays. Though, I, I know, like. I know. Three, <laughs> a three quarter arm slot. He's a freshman and he throws 98. He's a stud. They're, I mean, oh my God, dude. He's not their closer. He's like their long relief guy. And then his spot starts. He like might start in the midweek. Long relief guy. Their uh 
their closer. Let me let me think of his name real quick. Carson Palmquist. I don't. Do you remember? You remember this guy? Yeah, I remember him from like the Mississippi State Regional in 2019. Okay, the lefty. Yeah. He throws like 90, 93, 94, but like super funky sidearm. Chris Sale He's style. Nasty. He's what? Chris Sale style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great um, comparison right there, or comp in baseball terms. But dude, I think Miami has the pitching. I think, dude, here's what needs to happen for Miami to win this series. Toral needs to hit. Del Castillo needs to hit. And VR need to hit. I mean, the, Del Castillo and Toral are hitting 277 and 250. Like, wake yeah, up. It, it seems like going. teams – it seems like Florida challenged those guys in the first weekend. They did some damage, and now teams are kind of pitching around them saying, like, hey – who else can beat us? You know, we're going to find somebody else in that lineup that has to beat us. So I expect that Florida State's going to do the same thing. The biggest Dude, reason why on, I like – That's not what's happening. According to this – I mean, just based on what I'm looking at here, they have 15 walks combined. Well, in, just because they're walking doesn't mean they're not – I mean, like, when I say they're not pitching okay, to them, I mean, like, okay, no they might not be balls. getting – Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. But I, I just think – I mean, dude, they're sh- – they're sh- I mean, okay, for the most part, they're – their strikeout numbers are okay, but I think I think Florida State's got a little shit in their neck right now. Yeah, they're rolling. They just whooped Florida in the midweek. And they beat and, Virginia Tech. And they, they, were hot, they were hot. Yeah. They they so, cooled Virginia Tech down. I think I think, is, I think I think Miami, I mean, dude, I don't know if you understand the Florida State Miami rivalry is not is not a very nice rivalry. They hate each other. They yeah. literally they hate each other. Good. We need more of that in college baseball. I, I would, uh, I, w- I would definitely feel like the tempers are going to flare at some point in this series. Someone's going to pimp a homer when they're either up by 10 is, or down by 10. It is homer pimping season. Yeah, it is. And those guys want their, their share of the pie with that social media attention. I think it's going to get a little chippy, but I think Florida State is playing right now one of the best baseball uh, across America. So I like Florida State. I will say that it is going to be it, – it's, it's, dude, I'm so excited because this weekend's going to show us so much more information on who is real and who is not real. But at the same time, the ACC has shown us it doesn't matter. Each weekend is so different. Every I think weekend we're, we're going to start seeing in the next week or two, there could be so much separation between the good one and the middle of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely say so. Now the, uh, the next uh, series I want to talk about is still in the ACC. It's North Carolina, Boston college. Now, North Carolina, and Boston College, both of them have – they've had a lot of games where – I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Like, I, I can't put my tongue on it. Like, both of those teams have shown signs of, like, oh, my God. Like, these guys could win the ACC. And then they, they've shown signs where, like, oh, just pack your stuff up. Don't play any more games. You guys suck. And Did you see Boston College score from yesterday? Yesterday? No, what was it? Eighteen to twelve, they beat Holy Cross. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, okay, when you said yesterday, I thought you meant Tuesday, but yes, on Wednesday they did. They played a football game against Holy Cross, and Boston College can really swing it now. They've put up runs against uh, some really good teams this year. I, I think. Mean, North... No, 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 no. Okay. I, I was thinking something different. Boston College can swing it. I agree. Do you, do you ever get? I mean, I've, I'll put my hand up and, and admit to this. I get Boston College and Virginia Tech mixed up this year. Really. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like the teams are very similar, and I don't I, know, dude. I've been following. See, like you're. I'm sure you're more of like 
Growing up, were you a Big 12 guy? Mm, yeah. You knew everything about the Big 12? Yeah. See, like for me, I know everything about the ACC because I've been watching Miami since I was eight years old. Watching so kind of kind of like how you just kept getting Texas A&M and Texas Tech mixed up. I've been getting Virginia Tech and Boston College mixed up. I get Texas A&M, Texas Tech. No. Are you, you keep No. You, no, you no. Literally Arlington just talked about – no, you literally just – I had to correct you three times. You literally just kept calling Texas Tech, Texas A&M. I kept saying, you mean Texas Tech. You mean Texas Tech. I did not do that. Pull the tape. Yes, you did. I, I swear you did. I did not do that. I only yes, did that did. with San Antonio. You just did Arlington. it on this episode, Dimitri. That's just a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> I, I literally corrected you three times. Pull the tape. Anyways, what do you want to say about Boston College? Uh, I think that they – are probably pretenders in the ACC. I think they had a one good weekend, and now everything is going to kind of come full circle. North Carolina, I'll put it to you this way. North Carolina didn't recruit any of these Boston College guys for a reason. Boston College guys would love to go to North Carolina. They weren't able to. But I'm not saying that Boston College can't win a series. I mean, they're at home. They should win the series at home. And I think the ACC is very, very even keel as far as uh, you know, teams this year and talent-wise. I think North Carolina handled Boston College this weekend. I do too. And, I, I, of course, now Boston College is going to handle North Carolina to make us look wrong. But Yeah, and we're going to look stupid and look like we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. But maybe we're too smart for this. Ah, no, that's definitely not the case. The uh, So the next series I want to talk about is TCU and Louisiana Lafayette. TCU just um, – what did they do this past week? They, they split with Gonzaga, right? Or they lost two out of three? TCU? Yeah. Um, they lost three. Yeah, they, lost they gave up three runs on Sunday on that error. They lost to Gonzaga. Right. And TCU – TCU is not the same TCU's team we've seen in the past. Uh, dude, some of their bullpen guys are unbelievable. They throw like 99 miles an hour. Like even Like they're pushing 100. But – Hey, you want to know who TCU played in the midweek? Uh, who? Them boys from Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Oh, they, they rolled them 20 to 2. And that's what you're supposed to do to those teams. I think I think Arkansas Pine Bluff is gonna move up in our bottom ten ranking. What, are you gonna penalize them for 18 run them? loss? 18 run loss? That's not bad. Oh, they're gonna move up? <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna get lower than what are they right now? Like three or four? Dude. And they're gonna move to like nine hey, after an hey, 18 run loss. It was 20 to 2 after sixth inning. And they just called it. TCU probably rolled in all their freshmen and said, "Just don't touch home plate. Just, just round just, third and run to hey, the dugout. Hey, short, shorten up on the bat. Yeah. Hit a ground ball to shortstop. If you make an error, I'm not mad at you, but let's let's get out of here." <laughs> yeah, that was an ugly loss. I remember seeing that now. And uh, so, but Louisiana Lafayette hey, right. has a lot to prove. Yeah, Louisiana Lafayette has a lot to prove. They've been struggling. Just got swept by Southern Miss. They that got a- embarrassed, dude. That's the uh, that's the big reason why I picked this series. I mean, obviously TCU isn't playing Big Twelve play right now. This is another non-conference series. But Louisiana Lafayette, I mean, after being number two in our mid-major poll for the longest time, they get smacked around by Southern Miss, get embarrassed on social media. They have home or homers getting pimped off of them, and and so this is a big wake-up call for Louisiana Lafayette. If they can go out and win this series, that's a big plus. I mean, that's big momentum going into a Sun Belt play. But if they get smacked around by TCU, which I kind of expect to happen right now, that's uh, that's kind of like a stab in the heart. Like, uh-oh, boys. Uh-oh. That they – I mean, dude, that is deflating. 
It's very I mean, they lost five straight. Then they beat Nickel by one run. And this is like, I think this is a really important weekend for uh, Lafayette to kind of, it's a sinking ship. They need to plug the hole. Plug the hole. I agree. Plug I almost hole. just said that. How are you reading my mind right now? <laughs> really? I was literally about to say they need to plug the hole in the ship. Dude, stop it from very sinking. sinking ship. They need to plug the hole fast. Or it, it's going to, because guess who they play right after that? Four games at coast or at home versus coastal. So they, they could they could lose the series, and then lose an, three more to Coastal. Yeah, and then you're sitting there like. And Louisiana Lafayette's one of those teams that has a legitimate shot to get an at-large bid. They they can hang with anybody. They better they better get going. They have to. They got to get these resume uh, building wins up, and they they've have to got, just. They got to get going. Yeah, um, because it's, it, it, do you never want to put your postseason chances on the automatic bid in the conference tournament? Because you nobody knows what the hell happened in those tournaments. <laughs> yeah, the uh, one of the last series I want to talk about here is Louisiana Tech and Tulane. Louisiana Tech is one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. They just they, they beat Arkansas one out of three, but that was the number one team in the country. They should have won Friday night, in my opinion. So they could have easily won two out of three there. Plus, they just smacked around Ole Miss in the midweek. The the two lane though, our boy Braden Oltoff is throwing Friday night, and I I don't remember the last time that guy's lost a game, and he's nasty on the mound, and so Louisiana Tech might get humbled a little bit on Friday night, going to Tulane home field. Tulane's got all the momentum right now, just wanting to beat up against uh, an in-state rival. Non-conference series, American team versus a Conference USA team. But hey, hold on. you can't say. Louisiana Tech is the hottest team when they lost two out of three to Arkansas. They've lost, they've won the last two games, but let's see what the hell they do outside of Ruston. Yeah, that might have been a stretch, but this is is the same, this is the same Tulane team that we've seen beat Mississippi State, which is just as impressive win as beating Arkansas for Louisiana Tech. So, battle of in state rivals, two different conference, so not conference play, like I just mentioned. Where is Tulane in in Louisiana? Where is Tulane? New Orleans. It's in New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, was don't say a, yeah. Like, I'm was that close. a quiz? No, I thought you were quizzing me. No, like I was you, trying to remember where Tulane was exactly. Yeah, it's in New Orleans, and so the the series is in New Orleans. We're gonna see how Louisiana Tech uh, handles that series because it's no cakewalk. It's actually a very very difficult challenge for them, and I expect Tulane to win the series. But again, Louisiana Tech's kind of building a baseball program right now. They got the coaching staff, they got the stadium, they got the players. What can they do to earn that at-large bid? And if they win this series, that's going to go a long ways because I think Tulane's going to make the tournament this year, no doubt. No doubt. I agree. All right. And then lastly, we have two Pac-12 matchups. I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched much Pac-12 baseball this year. It's it's very hard to get, like, streaming services. But Arizona State's playing hey, at Oregon. Just keep, that, keep those kind of thoughts to yourself, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie on the podcast and say I'm a big no, Pac-12 but, baseball no, fan. I, nobody said you had to be a big 12, big Pac-12 fan, but don't just sit here and say it's kind of hard to get excited for Pac-12, like Pac-12. Come on, Ben. It's, it's hard to get excited, excited to talk it, about it. It's, I'm very authentic when it comes to this, and it's hard to get excited for Pac-12 baseball when it's hard to watch the games, first of all. That, I, will, of all I will agree with that. It second is of all, they're, out, they're on at like 10 p.m., and I don't care if it's 10 p.m. If, if it's a quality stream, I'll watch some of it. But don't give too. me that. Don't give me that five by five <laughs> pixelated screen behind home plate, 30 feet in the air. Don't yeah. give me that shit. 
I mean, that's what it is, dude. It's like it's like trying to watch it on a Game Boy. <laughs> Literally, I mean, I mean, no, I'll gi- I'll give them some credit. It's Game Boy Color. It's got some color in there, but. I mean, the Pac-12 does have some of the best announcers in college baseball. I like listening to the games. There's great radio streams. If you if you haven't noticed, you can listen to a Pac-12 game and it feels like Vince Scully's calling the game. Think of think but, of a high school recruit. Think of a high school recruit. You're seeing all these sick highlights, all these sick things <laughs> from college baseball. I'm, I'm serious. This is like me being serious. <laughs> and, and then you see a highlight from a Pac-12 game. It looks like it's from 1984. I mean, not even that. It's behind home plate. There's no re- there's a replay. Like, there's no really replay. It's just like, if I'm not close to home, my parents, my friends can't really watch me play. So it's like, it's, it's, it's something that the Pac-12 needs to get their shit together on and fix their, get with the program. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. 2021, get your ESPN deal signed or get your own Pac-12 network and get some real broadcasting team i mean yeah, and there are so many, in it. dude yeah. you're in california la is right there you can get me 20 30 p- people and b- build like you know a broadcast team of four and ship them out to these different places and broadcast these games you're in hollywood give somebody a college student a chance to you know get an internship or whatever they're talented they can go broadcast for a uh, game don't give me that that behind <laughs> From atop the grandstand, <laughs> behind home plate, single camera view. Behind like Johnny's mom's head, like half of her head showing on the screen. And that's what just... I'm saying. Like, like I'm, I'm not kidding, dude. If they want to catch up and keep up with college baseball, you got to fix that stuff. It matters. It sound. It doesn't sound like crazy. You got to fix it. It matters. Yeah. I mean, you're just was... laughing because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's like so that. true, though. It's so true. I until mean, dude, until they until they fix, fix it. it and take it seriously, we're not taking it seriously. But I mean, I mean the, the sad thing is the, the talent is there. Like the players there are unbelievable. Some of them and, will, will get drafted and play in the major leagues. And I want to see it. Like I want to have the same experience as like watching a Louisiana Tech versus I mean, um, I'm I'm tired of people tweeting at us. I'm not okay. Let me let me rephrase that. I enjoy I like I like tweet them tweeting at us, you know, with their questions, their concerns, or their um, opposing thoughts, whatever the case may be, but it's hard for us to really give you a true understanding breakdown of what's going on in the Pac-12 if we can't really see the game or we can't get on Twitter and go through their feeds and like because a box score only says one for four with a single, right? Yeah, I feel like I have to check the the newspaper the next morning to see what the Pac-12 score was from the but, night but, before. But what I'm saying is like. <laughs> How the hell do we know if the guy didn't hit three piss rockets to center field, but it's only one for four? Or guy is, you know, five, six innings with AK, but he could fall for all we know, he could have been 82 to 85. Or he could have been 98, 99, but we don't know. Yeah. And Unless the worst some... the worst part is like Sunday or like Saturday. I'll be checking Twitter, trying to update everybody through the 11.7 account. And then all of a sudden, like, I just see UCLA tweet out a final score. And I'm like, I didn't even know they were playing. Like, they're a top five team or top 10 team in the country. And they just lost to, like, University of San Francisco or, like, Cal Poly. And I'm like, how did how did we just, like, forget about this game? Well, it's like, because nobody was tweeting it. Friday, and then you forget about it by Sunday. Yeah, you're just like, how did I, like... They just tweet a final score. I'm like, oh my god, it's 4 p.m. and the game's over. What? If it went on ESPN three, I would I would watch it or at least keep up with it. Yeah, I would too. 
And and I mean, I mean, it, it, there's no excuse for the Pac-12 to not have a qual. I mean, Oregon and Oregon State, they did have a true broadcast, but it was from behind home plate and then like a first base, third base angle. But build a little platform in center field and get from behind the plate like everybody else. I mean, East Coast mid-major teams are broadcasting. I mean, Campbell or whoever are broadcasting better games than the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, Mercer broadcasts way better games than that. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I mean, dude, I'm sorry that the, when it comes to regional picking, when it comes to fan voting, when it comes to award, the Pac-12 is at a disadvantage. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, they, they've got to fix their broadcasting. I mean, like it, it sounds stupid, but... 75% of the country is not is not on the West Coast. They're on the East Coast. Majority of college baseball. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, so, and so when you can't expect those people to just go to the game or... Well, they can't you know, go to the game. That's the problem. They, they're not allowing fans in the Pac-12. Or not very many. I so mean, you, yeah. Like, 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 I mean, that's all I got to say for the rest of this episode. But, like, fix your freaking broadcast team. I like that. Let's end on that note. Fix your freaking broadcast team, Pac-12. Give us something. Let us support you because right now you're not supporting us. I would love to tweet some videos of South Carolina. I mean, uh, UCLA or USC or Arizona. They're a good team, but like, I mean, it's just like you can't see shit in that <laughs> five by five pixelated screen. I can't tell. I can't tell who the hell is hitting. I can't tell who the hell made that diving catch in center field. I haven't seen one face of a S or a or Pac-12 player all year. Like you don't see faces, you just see back of heads running around the bases. I mean, I know. I can't tell if you have the mustache or not. It all blends in the same. Oh, we might be revolting against the Pac-12 right now until they fix it. Like, come on, just give us something. Give us a nice broadcast that we can sit back and watch a late afternoon, uh, an evening game where we can actually tweet out videos and know what's going on. I'm with you, D. We're, we're revolting against the Pac-12. I want to sign a petition right now. I don't even care what it says. I'll sign it. But yeah. I mean, anyways, I mean, we have a great, great interview with Casey Dykes coming up right now. He is wonderful. I'm glad you guys um, made it this far in the episode. He's going to tell you all about his experience with college baseball. He's going to tell you about everything that you know he's doing in pro ball right now as a AAA level. I mean, he's a young, energetic guy that just loves the game of baseball and and has done great things to college baseball. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this interview. Tweet at Casey. He's very active on Twitter, super knowledgeable about everything going on in college baseball, pro baseball, youth baseball. He can help you out. So um, you guys enjoy this interview and enjoy watching a ton of college baseball this and week. Then we got our pick coming up right after the interview. So stay, stay with us. What's up, college baseball fans? We have on a very special guest actually our first guest to repeat as a guest second time um caller in or talker i guess you can say casey dykes now triple a hitting coach for the new york yankees calling back in uh, we had him on a couple years ago when he was the uh you were the recruiting coordinator or volunteer assistant for uh indiana right yeah volunteer assistant hitting coach info coach yeah yeah no that's right you're, you're coaching under uh jeff mercer who we're huge uh -huh. fans of on this show so man it's good to have you back on what's been going on down there in florida 
Uh, it's going good, man. Uh, it's good to be back. I remember when this was uh, kind of just starting up for you guys, man, and it's taken off. Uh, it has taken off. It's been fun to watch just the journey of it. And um, now to be back on after I remember the first time we talked, we had technical difficulties and a bunch oh, of stuff man. going on. And now it's smooth, smooth as can be now. So <laughs> we got hey, you know, back. I think um, you might be the first person to ask to, to like reach out to us and say, Hey, let's get on the show. And I was like, dude, this is the guy to be the first one. Yeah, yeah man. I, I loved it. I followed you guys. So mm-hmm. I think what you've done for college baseball and just the use of social media and, and the access to the videos this year, obviously is, has been off the chain, man, just uh, the electricity across the board in college baseball and y'all have, y'all have brought it to life. And, um, you know, I've just been in Florida, man. We're in the middle of spring training right now. So uh, we were in Dunedin today and um, just just getting after it. It's good to be back in a dugout, back back having baseball pants on, you know, coaching the guys, being around. And, and obviously the weather down here is, is tough to beat. So that's yeah. been enjoyable as well. And I'm glad I'm glad you brought up like the popularity amongst college baseball, because we really have seen over the last like uh, two months or even like month and a half like how much college baseball has really taken off. Now, do you find it like weird that college baseball is like gaining popularity right after you left? You know, you left the game of college baseball and got into pro ball. Maybe maybe it has something to do with you. Oh, man, dude, he brought the energy at Louisville. He, he knows what I'm talking about. I definitely left it with a bang in, uh, in Louisville. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. That's a, that's a whole nother story. But, you know, I think college baseball has always been this. Honestly, um, it's always been electric. It's always been fun. I think now just the more and more social media um, interaction you see uh, people like you guys that are bringing it to life. Like I think the average fan, you know, the outsider is starting to see what it's been all about. Um, For those who have played college baseball, coach, been around the game. This is what it's always been like. This is what made, you know, college baseball what it is. No, no doubt at all. And um, I'm glad we brought up that that Louisville, Indiana game. It was from a regional. We got to talk about it. And we have to talk about because I, I don't know if you follow. I mean, you definitely saw us on social media. We had your back 100. percent It was uh, <laughs> it was it, it was definitely one of the most electric moments in college baseball that season. So kind of like walk us back, like what was going on during that, and like give us your point of view because if not, we'll tweet out the video along with this just so our listeners mm-hmm. can uh, can follow along. But man, that was amazing. Yeah, so double elimination uh, regional at Louisville, and um, you know we were playing for our lives. Obviously, we had lost one. We're playing Louisville, uh, obviously a, a arrival of Indiana uh, mm-hmm. already. Uh, recruit a lot of the same territory. A lot of those players know each other. You know, so just the the environment going in um, was was tense already. Uh, and then just a the moment, you know, we're sitting there, we're, we're coming back at the end of the game. Uh, their closers in. Uh, we just hit a home run off the closer. Uh, we're cutting into the into the lead. I think it was it was either tying run or go ahead run that was up to the plate. Uh, their pitcher argues the ball and strike call gets tossed from the game. Really what he did, what he did didn't deserve it. Um, and he, so he just kind of threw his hands up on a questionable call and, and he, so he got tossed, which, which shouldn't have happened in the first place. And, um, so, you know, that, that happens, you know, obviously coach McDonald's out there and arguing as he should, should have been in that moment. So they got to go to the bullpen. So we're waiting on that guy to warm up. Lefty comes out. Uh, we got our catcher, senior, up to bat. He's in a 3-2 count when all this happens. Guy comes in, throws him a slider, first pitch. He takes it. It was a questionable call. It was down. It was low. But the way the catcher caught it was really bad. So, like, the glove goes to the ground. He pulls it back up. Umpire bangs him in that moment. 
And just to think that, you know, a senior that's, you know, having his last at bat of his college career, uh, we had a lot of older guys on that team. And, you know, just the investment you put into those players and the time you put into all for it to come down to that, uh, a call like that to end the game, to end the season, to really end a lot of players' careers. Um, fortunately, we had a lot of guys get drafted off that team that are still playing. But uh, just all that put together, I, I lost my cool in the moment. Um, and I would have been mother, mother yeah. effing him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we went off. We went off. And so that was – uh, kind of a funny backstory on that, actually. Uh, I don't know if I should go into this, but I'm going to. Uh, but the next year, go so into it. Fast, for, fast forward a year from that moment, um, I get a call. I'm in, I'm in spring training, uh, big league spring training last year. I get a call, you know, whatever it was, February, mid-February, late February. Uh, Mercer calls me, and he's like, hey, just want to let you know we're going down to LSU, and I just got a call from NCAA. They said to don't not forget, but you got a two game suspension uh, this weekend going into LSU. <laughs> like, you know, it shows you, you know, obviously it shows you how in tune they were with everything at oh, the time. But um, but I'm like, All right, that awesome. is so like, damn funny on, on the computer. So uh, yeah, I had I guess somehow I got a post game ejection from that. I remember getting a warning um, in the moment. I didn't care. Uh, obviously, it was like, okay, that's fine. Like, what are you gonna, you're going to eject me? Our season's over because yeah. you couldn't do your job. So, um, we it was. I guess I got a post game ejection. So, if I ever get back into college baseball, it'll be interesting to see if I still got to serve that two games, or or maybe um, maybe they'll forget it by then. So we'll see. Dude, dude, you've got to do a uh, just a celebrity um, voluntary two game just coaching stint <laughs> with some team. Just be a bench serve coach. It, for, serve yeah. it. <laughs> But anyways, I remember the video you were, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say you were sprinting, but you were walking very fast towards down the first baseline. And that umpire had no, he had no interest in talking to you. He was walking (laughs) away. I remember. And you were following him like with a a man on a mission. And I don't, I don't know how you didn't know you got ejected. Cause I, I I thought for sure you got, you knew you got ejected because it was just like, I I wasn't hearing. I'm sure there was a lot of things that were said to me at the time, but, but I wasn't hearing them. But did you, did you, you you didn't regret it at all. Did you? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Like I'd go to bat for, for those guys any day of the week. Like the, the group we had there, the catcher, Ryan Feynman, who that was his at bat. Like we still talk weekly to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about that moment every now and then. And um, I mean, that's just, that's who I've always been uh, It's who You know, I think coaches should be. Uh, it's, it's always in the best interest for, for the players. It's about them. And in that moment, that's all I was trying to do was just have, have my guys back in, in a tough time. Yeah. And that's, that's how it, that's it's how not it like you were doing it for like your own self-confidence or anything like that really shows like the type of coach that you are, you know, you're doing this for your kids last game of the season, last game for a lot of their careers. And we actually talked about this a little bit uh, with Kyle Peterson on Monday or, or Sunday, whenever it was Monday, uh, Monday night, Monday. Yeah. And about how like meaningful college baseball is like you, it's the last time in your career until you play maybe at like a major league level where like games are meaningful to you and your team. And it is like, you know, you know, survive in advance because in minor league baseball, I mean, no offense to you, minor league. It's, it's all, it's all individual. It's all individual achievements that they're going for. They're trying to make it to the major leagues college baseball. Like for me, myself and Dimitri, that was the highest level of baseball we ever played as far as like meaningful games. And like, we were trying to go to Omaha, which was a position you guys were in in Louisville and we saw that Louisville team do some damage in the college world series. I mean, if that call would have went the other way, you know, that could be you guys. You guys you know. had another one. No, they had, I think you guys had another one, right? 
Yeah, yeah, we had to win. We had to win one more. Um, but still, you know, but but yeah, oh, same yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, you just never know. You know, you never yeah. know, and that's usually. I mean, everybody's season um, at that at that time, it always comes down to one play, one pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, one at bat, and and that's how it was for us. And you know, I thought we had, we did. We had a super talented team, and and our mission was Omaha. You know, so uh, not getting there was a disappointment, but at the same time, it was a it was a successful year. Big Ten champions and. Um, a ton of accolades across the board for the guys. A lot of guys that are continuing their careers in professional baseball right now, and mm-hmm. I'm just fortunate to be a part of that when I was. Yeah. So um, I was going back on what Ben said, like the whole meaningful, more meaningful. Like so, for you, obviously the Yankees—that's your career, that's your job, that's how you put food on the table now. So you're going to put 100% into everything you do because you one day obviously want to be in the big leagues from a coaching standpoint. So like uh, for me personally, like after college, I, you know, I had to go a different route than most people. I went indie ball and independent ball is individual until you make even, even the semifinals of the playoffs right. game. Didn't, you just, you, all you cared about was getting signed by an affiliate. That's all you cared about every day. So it, it's a grind on you because you lose. I lost passion for the game. Yeah. And as a coach, like now, the I don't think have you coached an official game yet? Um, With the no, COVID last no. year, outside of yeah, no, last year I took the uh, so I took the job in the fall. It was August, uh, and then that was August of 2019. So I went through all the fall of 2019. Went through, uh, got to be a part of big league spring training in 2020. And then obviously everything got got shut down, and so now we're cranked back up in spring training again. And and um, you know, hoping everything continues to go smooth, so we can we can get it rocking and rolling this year. Right. But what I was gonna add, what I was gonna say was, do you feel a different relationship, like in terms of how much you meet? Because like when college guys are still young, they're still growing, they're still maturing into men, and your relationship with them is it different? Like, is it more passion? Is it more? Is it like what's the relationship vibe like between college and pro guys? Uh, no, no, I don't know if it's different. I think the, the biggest difference with, with college guys is for majority of those guys, you're recruiting them. So you just know them longer. Uh, mm-hmm. so you're building that trust, you're building that relationship. And then they, they choose to come to, to your school where, where you're coaching at because of you. Um, a lot of times in professional baseball, they didn't necessarily choose to come to that organization. Uh, so that's definitely a difference. Uh, but at the same time, at the end of the day, like you're there to help them become the best version of themselves. Like you're there to help them get to the next level. That's all, you know, that's all players want. Like players, they want to know that they can trust you, that what you're doing is for their benefit to help them become the best they can come, can become. Mm-hmm. And uh, once they realize that it's amazing how open, you know, anybody becomes, whether it's a younger player, whether it's a 10 year vet, you know, whoever it may be, uh, those guys just want to know that you can provide something that's going to help make them better uh, and help get them to that next level, whatever, whatever that level is, uh, whether that is double A to triple A um, rookie ball to, to an affiliate, or even it's to be a big leaguer, but now become an all-star. You know, like whatever that next, there's always something else. And, and guys just want to know that you're there and that's that's what you're trying to do and, and what you're going to do. And you're going to do whatever it takes to help them get there. Yeah, no, that's definitely interesting. It's something that, you know, I know nothing about. I mean, I only know about the college side of the game. Um, but so something that I wanted to bring up to you, just kind of literally skipping chapters here, going back a little bit. Um, you were a volunteer assistant for a little while, weren't you? With uh, Virginia Military back in our conference at Mercer, coached against me and Dimitri. I was, and, I was, uh, I was only a volunteer at um, 
Yeah, I was recruiting coordinator at yeah, BMI. Right. What year? Uh, I was what volunteer year? for a year at IU and for one year at Western Kentucky back in the day. So, yeah, I spent two years. What, what year were you at BMI? Um, I was at VMI from 2000, 2015, uh, 15 through 18. So you were there when yeah. my, my last year. Yeah. 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 Yep. We went to your, we went to y'all's plate, but I was hurt. I didn't, I don't, I don't, I didn't pitch against you guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so what I was going to, what I was going to build off of that is like, you kind of, we have a different, um, I guess, appreciation for volunteer assistance here at 11.7. We're actually coming out with an award for the 11.7 Volunteer Assistant of the Year. I don't know if you saw that. I love that. it. I love and, it. Um, That's awesome. The Golden Fungo. The Golden Fungo Golden Fungo. And so <laughs> I, I know. Hey, we're sending them a damn Golden Fungo painted yeah. gold with their name on it. That shit's going to be legit. Yeah. That's so big we, time. We definitely want your opinion this year when we choose that uh, Volunteer Assistant. Okay. And uh, in fact... Uh, I think we're going to make this official now. I want this to be the Casey Dykes Golden Fungo. Hell award. yeah! And I want you to I want you to make the announcement just because you have been a two time guest on our show and like you've definitely yeah. kept up with us and, and stayed in contact. So uh, we're gonna, we have the Kyle Lewis Mid Major Player of the Year that's already been named, and now the Casey. Of course, Dykes, you Mercer uh, guys, man. Yeah, and he yeah. earned it. He earned yeah, he it. He's he just a Mercer guy. He he's a freaking walking legend down there. Yeah, he is a legend, dude. And he's so a man. We, we're going to have the Casey Dykes Golden Fungo Award that's going to be on for however long we last. And uh, we want you to have we want you to have your opinion on who's the winner. So what does it take to be a great right. volunteer assistant? Like, is it the batting practice throwing? Is it the you know field work, the fungo hitting? Like, just walk us through, like, what life as a volunteer assistant is kind of like. Um, you got to be a problem solver. That'd be number one. Uh, you got to be a problem solver. Like everything that comes up. Uh, across the board on a day-to-day basis, you got to try to beat somebody else to it to fix that problem. Like your job, your responsibility is that if there's an issue, it doesn't get to your recruiting coordinator. It doesn't get to your head coach. It doesn't get to anybody else. Like you make sure it's covered, it's taken care of, so they don't have to worry about it. Um, I would say that's number one. Um, Just being good help, you know, like Nowadays, uh, I was talking actually to he, he works with um, the Yankees now He's our base running coordinator. I was I remember talking to him about a year ago about this. It's and he made a point. And I thought it was great. But Matt Tallarico, he said it's tough today to just find good help. And, and I think that is it's a very simple statement, but I think it says a lot. And when looking for like a quality volunteer or, or just a, a quality coworker in general, um, somebody who's just good help that whatever you need, like they're going to be there. If it, like you just said, if it's somebody to hit fungo, if it's somebody to throw BP, if it's somebody to um, get the food on the road, if it's somebody to do laundry, if it's somebody like they're just good help and they're willing to do it because they're trying to make the program better. And that's what, that's all they care about. And uh, if you're committed to that, then nothing is beneath you. You know, you're, you're on the same level as everybody and whether that's high, low, whatever, nothing, but nobody's beneath you. And you're going to, you're going to go out of your way to do whatever you got to do to just make the program better on a daily basis. When, when you're writing, you're filling your resume out for volunteers, do they ask you, I, I feel like they should, but I'm going to ask you, do they say, can you throw BP? I think that's mandatory as a volunteer. You have to, you have to like, be able to throw BP. Because if you show you up to. day one, you can't throw BP. They're going to be like, what the hell is this guy doing here? <laughs> no doubt. You got to be able to throw BP. That's yeah. You don't want to You don't want to show up. That's the last thing. I think you got to be upfront about that because I think it's an expectation that comes with it. So the last thing you want is 
it's like, oh, we hired this awesome new volunteer and you show up and it's like, ah, I, I can't throw. Like I got, you know, I got shoulder issues <laughs> or I got the yips or, or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter if once you get to, to that point in your career, um, it doesn't matter if your arm hurts, you just throw, you, you just, just throw. figure it out. Throw, you better throw some ibuprofen back. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey one more out, thing. One more thing. Yep. About volunteer assistant. I think it is so hard to find people that don't think they're better. Like, so for example, you said laundry, most guys they're coaching D one volunteers and they think they're too good to do the laundry. They think they're too good to stay up until midnight cleaning up the dugout or cleaning up the clubhouse, whatever head coach boss man asked you to do. If you want to stick around, if you want to make move and move up, you got to do it. And you can't have that mindset of I'm too good for this. Is that true? That's, that's a fact. That's a fact. You first one, first one there, last one to leave, um, you know, to, to your point on, you know, do whatever they ask you to do. I think it's trying to get stuff done before somebody has to ask you. That's like that's, point. that, that is, that is priority. Number one every day is to, to understand how the system runs, how everything operates and get everything done before somebody has to ask you to do it. And, and if you can do that, there's going to be a lot of happy people and, and in time they don't realize it, but I think everybody looks back and they're like, wow, like I, I never had to ask for this and it was done. And once you that, leave, once you leave is when people realize good help is hard to find. It really uh, is. Because once you leave a place, they're like, wow, now all this stuff starting to pop up. It's like, where did all this go? It's like, Oh, somebody, you know, somebody was doing this and, and that's a sign of, of a good volunteer. That's a sign of good help. Right. And, uh, uh, what I was going to say is like, kind of give us your best selling point as far as like getting that third paid assistant um, finally paid, you know, nothing, nothing like volunteer assistant for 35 guys. We want three paid coaches for 35 guys to kind of equal things out. Like, give us your best selling point. But didn't hold on. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to add to that. You tweeted, if I remember correctly, you tweeted something that was pretty big in terms of, you know, the engagement on Twitter. I don't remember exactly what you said. But it, it, it just hits the nail on the head on so many points. And if you remember, I, I, I hope you could like kind of say what you tweeted. But I remember it was something. I remember that, that going like, viral. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was something big that was just like everyone was like, holy shit, this guy literally just said what we're all thinking. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't remember exactly what I said. I'm going to pull uh, it up as, as you talk. <laughs> I'd have to go. I'd have, I'd have to go back and, and look at it. But my, my best selling point would be that if, if college athletics is really all about the players um, and that's, and that's what we're, you know, that's what we're selling is the college, the student athlete experience. Right. Right. And um, providing um, official employment for, for another coach to be there, to be able to uh, whether it's, you know, help out on the recruiting trail. So other coaches don't have to be gone all the time um, to, to be able to do more of uh, the stuff on the phones, the, the back channeling stuff from a, from a paid assistant standpoint, you, you have to provide them with, with that third paid assistant. Uh, there's just, there's too many bodies. There's too many responsibilities uh, to go around to have somebody who um, because they're not on official salary, they're limited from an NCAA standpoint to be able to do, you know, everything that, uh, that a paid assistant can do. And, and another thing I think I remember you mentioning was something about like, we're losing so many great like people around the game who would take that job as a third paid assistant rather than going to get sell like insurance somewhere or going to provide for their families. If there was that third paid assistant job, we would have so many great minds in baseball stay around, around for much longer. Wouldn't you agree? There's, there's no doubt. There's a, the, you can't stay, you can't, you just can't stay a, a volunteer assistant for, 
for multiple you years. Can't. You know, most mm-hmm. people can't. Most mm-hmm. people can't. And um, so you know, I it's, found, it's hard. I, found I had kids. You know, yeah, I had I had kids, and and you know, was trying to support a family and do all that as a volunteer assistant. Fortunately. My one year as a volunteer was very early. Um, it was before uh, before I was married and and um, and had kids. And then you know I was at a place like Indiana, which I'm not naive to think that um, at Indiana, like I was some volunteer who who wasn't making enough money to support my family. Obviously, I wouldn't have done it if I if I wasn't. You know, I was at a great place where, you know, Jeff Mercer there, the head coach, took tremendous care of me you know, I was able to, you know, support my family, but if it was about staying there for, for multiple years and then no, I I still couldn't have, and that's at a power five school at a big 10 school at a school that on, in some rankings this last week, we're, we're up to number 10, you know, Mm -hmm. this is one of the, you know, top places in the country to go play college baseball. And, and I wouldn't have been able to do that. So uh, there's a lot of other school. You think about all the other division one schools in the country that, I mean, they can't pay that position to anything, maybe five grand, you know, maybe a housing stipend, you know, something. And, and you just can't live like that. Right. So, yeah, dude, I was going to say, I think I think just to clarify for people that are listening, some people get confused sometimes between a volunteer assistant and a mid-major and a power five. Like you were you had a role, you had a paid role at BMI, you had a paid role and you left to go to a volunteer assistant. And Derek Simmons, I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah, he was oh, at yeah, Kennesaw State. He was a he was a hitting he was the hitting coach there. He was a big deal at Kennesaw State when they made their regional run in Florida State and Tallahassee. He left to take a volunteer role at Alabama, and everybody was like, "Why the hell would you do that?" And some people don't realize sometimes going to the Power Five is the next step to getting a better job, even though your role name is volunteer assistant. Right. And Derek's now, Derek's now at, uh, he's at IU. So yeah, he's, he's, at, he's in the position I was and, and crushing it. But to think that, you know, a guy that's as good as at his job as he is, you know, can stay a volunteer for, you know, five, 10 years, as long as that staff's going to be there and continue. It's just, it's not realistic. You know, right. you have yeah, to he went, it. he went out, he went Kennesaw state hitting coach, Alabama volunteer, Ben. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I know then he went about, to Kent yeah. state and then he went Kent to Kent state, state then, as yeah. a recruiting coordinator. And then he went to uh, Indiana as a volunteer. And people are probably sitting there wondering why the hell is this guy doing that? Yeah. But sometimes that's, that's the path you got to take. And it's a shitty path, but it is what it is. Right. No, but uh, no, that was def- definitely great insight, Casey. And, um, you know, I, I know our listeners are definitely going to appreciate that just because we give so much love for volunteer assistance out there. But kind of changing the page now to the fun stuff. We got to know with all these bat flips going viral on social media, what's like your take right now on these bat flips some of these college kids have? Because we love it. I love it, man. I love <laughs> it. Like I'm, I'm a hitting guy. Um, I'm tired of, of seeing pitchers just get celebrated all the time because they're still throwing from 60 foot, six inches. And now they just throw a hundred, like 95 Everybody. is, is the new 90. Dude, insane. How many guys are throwing 95 plus now? It's incredible. It's the hardest thing to do in all sports. So when, when we piss on one, we're going to celebrate and that's just how it's going to be. Enjoy and if you, like it, if you don't like it. it, that's fine, but we're, that's what we're <laughs> going to do. We're going to enjoy it because it just doesn't happen often. I have no problem with it. It's, yeah. it's, um, I think it's awesome. I think it's good for the sport and, and it's fun. 
old school grandpa replying on Twitter, ear hole him next time. He yeah. deserves one right in the ribs. <laughs> this, is, this is ruining the game. I'm like, dude, get your ass out of here. Listen, grandpa, we're not throwing 80 miles an hour and like spitballs anymore. Like, this is a real right. deal. This is life or death situation. I so. want to respond, like, delete your account, dude. <laughs> Go find a new sport. Yeah, but no, I, I do love all like how all these bat flips are like gaining popularity because I mean that's helped us grow alone, like probably close to a thousand followers this year on Twitter, just like reposting some of these bat flips. And we see guys now in like Barstool and things like that that are reposting it. And I mean, sure enough, you're getting hundreds and even thousands of more college baseball fans out there keeping up trying to like, you know, what's yeah. the next bat flip? Who's gonna one up the next guy? Like did the you, guy the guy from Tennessee yesterday or Sunday. Did, I was about to say, did you or, see that last night? Took off the shin guard. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, dude. That's that's that, that is solid. revolutionary. That yeah. is revolutionary. That was solid. That was so solid. It's kind of like First the dunk time. contest. It's kind of like the dunk contest where like, what's the next dunk gonna be? Like, what's the next bat flip gonna be? I think it's just gonna keep getting better he throughout. He took the off year. his damn shin guard before the ball landed <laughs> i have never seen that before the only time i've ever seen that i think it was in like bad news bears the remake in like 2005 i think they did something like that or took off the batting <laughs> gloves but man i love that so uh so your son jet who's three years old playing against six-year-olds right is he yeah, uh has yeah. he mastered the bat flip yet has uh papa casey ever taught him the bat flip um you know we try to work on the bat flips a little bit he's got he's got a little bit of a um i would say it's more of a bat drop a lefty um, bat drop. Just, it's a lefty bat drop. About so, to hit the umpire. <laughs> it's uh like uh, if you've watched if you watched Derek Dietrich at all, um, some oh, of yeah. his highlights. He's got a he's got a clean lefty bat drop on the home runs. Uh, so he's got a little bit of that right now. We we definitely practice it. He watches a lot of baseball highlights, and we get that all the time. Like, hey, the follow through, the the bat drop. Where does he get that? You know, how do you teach that? It's like natural. You, you can't teach. You can't it's teach natural. That. You Love can't that. teach that. You got you got to show him and then let let him go do it and, and yeah. let him figure it out. So you posted a video of of Jet back in I think it was probably February, maybe January. Him playing in like a like a not not t-ball, but it was like coach pitch, I guess you can call it. Um, yeah. Playing against some six year olds, and he absolutely pissed on a ball to right field, and then just trotted out the second Dude, base. He admired it. Don't I, I want to put that in there? He admired yeah. it a little bit. And so he we did. he did we, he watched it. We have Jet, I think it's the class of 2032 or one of those classes. We have him ranked as the number one prospect right now. Um, kind of gonna, he's gonna fill in like the Bryce Harper shoes. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of how we project him as a player. But uh, how cool is it being a dad, like teaching your actual, no, no more like other kids uh, or other parents' kids, like teach your own kid how to, how to play the game? Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. I'm about to be a, a father of three here soon. So we got uh, we got Jet, who's our oldest, who, who's three and, and he'll turn four um, here pretty soon. Got a two year old named Cash. And then uh, the actually, going. <laughs> we actually got a we got a, a girl due at the end of April. So we'll, oh, we'll have two boys and a girl. I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, it's That's that's going to be interesting just because. Uh, our two boys are wild, man. They're, mm -hmm. they're, they're all boy. They're, uh, they're crazy. They love sports. Jets, Jets a little more, more skilled at this point. Um, in the, for your, for your evaluation process of the, whatever it was, 20, 2036. <laughs> what, what, what what's he on the, uh, what's he on the, on the zero to 80 scale? <laughs> um, right, right now, I guess, well, if you're comparatively speaking to his, his age group, I'd say he's up there. I mean, he's, he's pretty Plus skilled 70. when it comes to, when it comes to catching, um, you know, throwing, hitting, things like that, he's he's really skilled. Where my two-year-old 
is just like a bulldog. I think he's going to be, he's going to be like the fullback at West Virginia with the face painted and the Mohawk and and just be a head buster. And we need Um, some of those guys too. Yep. (laughs) Oh man. The the world needs those guys. So uh, Jets more like the, uh, he's like the slot receiver quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. got a little prima donna in him, but he's, but he's pretty skilled. Um, oh God. He could be like sunshine, like the long hair, <laughs> yeah. like, Oh yeah. yeah. He's, he's all about the show where Mama cash boy. is cash is just a head buster. So he's a great uh, guy. He's all about, the I'm ready. Grit. I'm ready to see him put on the pads here in a few years. So, so something that like I've noticed personally, and I'm sure you guys had the same thing growing up, but there's kids that like grew up around the ballpark, like coaches, kids, um, you know, I grew up with Woody Williams' son, uh, who pitched in the, for the Cardinals and Astros, Caden Williams, and they just have like a different instinct about the game. You know, I think it's just growing up with like older guys around, you know, having them show tips and tricks and all that to them. But it, it is something that's really cool to see like coaches' kids, how they just kind of pick up on things easier and uh, have a different like mindset approaching the game. You, I mean, I'm sure that you're going to be around the game for a long time and your son and, or daughter, two sons and daughter are going to kind of pick up on that if they choose that route. Um, have you guys ever had like any kind of experiences like that? Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that's honestly, I, I don't, I don't teach you. I don't teach them anything when mm-hmm. it comes to the game. Uh, and, and I've, I've told myself, me and my wife talk about it. Like I, I'm going to do everything I can not to try to teach or coach him uh, until he's, he's, you know, old enough. When I say old enough, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 12, maybe it's older. Maybe when he starts uh, coming to you asking like, Hey dad, right, help me out here. Right. Right. Come to you. Absolutely. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Like I, I think the best thing you can do for, for kids that age is tell them, throw it as hard as you can hit it as far as you can and then watch the game. And, and they watch it's fun. It's funny. Just like when they hear stuff, they say it, which can be bad. <laughs> a lot of times when they, when they watch stuff, they do it. So you let them watch baseball games. You let them watch football games, basketball games. And what do they do? They just try to mimic uh, the best in the world. So as long as you're not watching really bad baseball, most of the stuff they do is going to going to be going to be pretty good. So that's yeah. what we try to do. And, and they're around it all the time. So they, they love it. Uh, when I'm, when I'm gone, I was fortunate to be around. That's the one good thing about COVID. You know, I was home all the time and yeah. that was, that was uh, a 10 months, 11 months that I'll, I'll never you know, never forget and probably never, you know, get back anything similar to that uh, just because of, of the career I'm in. Uh, but it was, it was fun just to be with them every day and, and get to celebrate. And now I'm back to work. And, and, you know, the first thing my wife says is like, you know, all they want to do is, you know, I threw BP for three hours today. Like that's all they want to <laughs> do is hit BP. You know, I got to throw them a football. You know, that's all they want to do. And, and uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's super rewarding. Well, um, well, coach, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just say. Um, I think I was just gonna say. I think that's something like not many people think about. Is the COVID year? Everybody, you know, they lost their their job for a year. Not lost, but they just had a pause. And I I can't imagine how many coaches around the country, from from high school ball all the way through the big league, t- took a step away from the game, with on, not on their choice. And they gained a newfound appreciation for the game. And, and they realized, like, maybe they found a new way to balance coaching and their family because they were so much yeah. time with them. But they also got hit with the, I missed the game. I missed coaching. And I think that's, that, that's, that's a fact, man. No doubt. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. I experienced that. I think the players, I think, have experienced the same thing. I think that's why a lot of the stuff you're seeing right now and in the game of baseball, especially college, those guys have just missed out on so much time. And I think you're seeing that right now. Um, 
they're making sure they don't miss the moment. You know, guys are just living in the moment because it COVID showed a, just a small, small, small hint of, of that moment can be gone at any time. And play uh, like I think it's you're your last seeing game. that a ton. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It happened last year. That was, I thought. It was, I thought, like looking back on it, like you just said. Do you have a favorite player that you've ever coached at any level? I mean, it could go all the way back to Western Kentucky. It could be VMI, Indiana. Is there a guy that kind of sticks out that you're just like, man, I'd go to war for that guy? I mean, he was just uh, Elijah's, no doubt in that category. You know, and and at the top of that list, you know, another one we talked about him earlier, Matt Peta. Yeah, from VMI, um, one of my personal favorite players of all time. And yeah, I played against I mean, <laughs> just a just a dog. Uh, Anderson Miller, who was at uh, Western Kentucky, who's now in the in the Royals organization and and is at big league camp with them and is is tearing it up right now. Uh, he's a guy, another guy when I was at Western Kentucky that I had a blast uh, getting to coach and and we still have a relationship, a, a really good relationship to this day. Uh, those are, you know, some of the guys that, that come to mind, but I'm sure man, there's a whole been, long list. Yeah, man, there's a long list. And, and if I started naming them, I just go on and on because <laughs> I've been just fortunate to be around some, some really good players, some really good teams, but, but, you know, first and foremost, some incredible people and right. families and, and not everybody gets that, you know, I, I don't want to take that for granted. I, I've really had that opportunity at the places I've been and that's, you know, a lot attributed to the staffs I've been around, you know, you are the people you attract, um, are, mm-hmm. are, I think a compliment to, to who you are as a staff. And I've been around some really good staffs around some really good people. And we've been fortunate to have that same, uh, camaraderie with our players and families. Do you have any interest in going back to the college game or do you want to stay professional? Um, I, I would go back to college in the right situation. Um, but I also have no problem staying in professional baseball. You know, I'm at a point in my career where, um, I'm in an incredible situation. I'm around some of the smartest people in the world. I'm, I'm with, uh, the best baseball organization in the world and, and one of the best organizations in all sports. Six time world champion. And, you know, so, so, but I would never, I would never cross anything off. If, if the right situation came up, you know, I'd be open to, to going back to college. Um, obviously you know, coaching role. at the, at the big league level is, uh, is, um, a probably goal a dream. Of, yeah, probably uh, a, dream a dream of, of mine, too. a goal of mine. It's something I, if I stay in professional baseball, I do want to, I want to do that. Um, and going back to college would, would be fine too. If it was, again, if it's around the right people let's and say, it's the right situation, say, I'm open to it. Let's say some, Pretty well-respected mid-major comes up to you to you know we want you to be head coach. I can't Are go you... into what ifs. I can't go into what ifs. I, I don't know. No, 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 no. Would you? <laughs> would you? Are you the kind of guy that you're going to pick a coach? If you, let's say you're building your coaching staff, you are the newest head coach at okay. mid-major. Yeah. Okay. And you're building your coaching staff. Are you going to go because in college football, it's like there's yeah. there's people go on offer days about it picking guys that are your your friends, guys that your friends in the business? Or are you going to go with guys? Are you going to pick the guy that you respected more, but you're not quite, not necessarily friends? Like, how would you go about building your ideal coaching staff in a college game? Uh, I, I would go with guys I trust, first and foremost. That, w- that would be number one. I, I would go with guys I trust. Uh, some, you know, if I, if I know those guys really well, obviously that's a bonus. Uh, but I'm going to make sure it's guys I trust. And 
I'm not going to say no, there, there may be, there's probably going to be guys on, on that staff. Uh, and I'm talking, when I say staff, you know, I don't just mean the, the two paid assistants, uh, no, in no, college no. baseball, you know, I'm talking volunteers and, and graduate managers and managers and player operations yeah. and player development and, and all that, you know, I think there would definitely be, be people on that staff that people I trust suggest, um, because they're really good at, at what they do. Um, but I would, I would want people I trust and I would want the best at their job. And I would go on a search for, for the best at what they do. And I have a, a running list uh, in my phone right now for all those I, positions. I know you did. Somebody told me uh, a couple years ago. <laughs> somebody told me a couple I'm going to say this because the listeners, yeah. this, is, this is really interesting. A couple years ago, someone told me, because I, I was asking, I was like, when a head coach gets hired, there's no way they just say, okay, time to start researching and find. They have a secret list. If for the chance that they were ever a head coach and they had to pick a staff, they have a list already. I I have a running list for pitching guys, hitting guys, infield guys, operations, uh, director of player development. I I have, I have all that in my phone. So, so I'll definitely go through that vetting process. And, and as I've went through that, a lot of those guys are guys that, um, that I do know because whether I knew them before I put them on that list or not, that's different for each guy. But once they go on that list, if I don't know them well, you know, I do my best to reach out and start to get to know them to see if, you know, maybe they stay on that list or not uh, for he if something is off. to come up in the, hit in the that future. Back space, delete, you're off. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely a possibility. Uh, now the last question I have for you, coach is, uh, you know, this is something that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested in. But like with the new technology around the game, like kind of talk to us about being the hitting coach with like Rapsodo and Trackman, and like, what do you look for in like a player's swing with that? And I mean, w- once we get to analytics, I'm kind of out of the question. So I'm gonna let you talk now. <laughs> uh, yeah, all that stuff is good. Uh, all that stuff is good. It's all about how you use it. You know, I know you, you've probably heard that. Everybody talks about that. It's all about how you use that. I think it's also about what you look for when using it. You know, you can measure nowadays with with TrackMan and Hawkeye and and Blast and Diamond Kinetics and you know Rapsodo and Hit Track. You know, you have all this different all these different tools, and you can measure so much that I think a lot of times we we fall in love with measuring things rather than falling in love with what we need to measure mm-hmm. and and finding out if what we're actually measuring. Um, correlates to to development or if we're just measuring stuff for the sake of measuring it so yeah i'm i'm getting more and more used to using all of that um you know high-speed cameras and and matching that up with uh you know with the different technology and and i think it's that's the the secret sauce per se is is finding a way to blend all of that um and being able to then simplify that in a way to where you can relay it to the player, uh, but you don't necessarily have to use the metrics to relay it if the, if the situation doesn't call call for it. Yeah. Um, but maybe you can go to it and, and we can just use it as a tool because that, that's all it is. It's a, it's another tool in your tool, tool belt. And I think it's good to have you go into a project, a building project, um, just because you don't necessarily like a tool doesn't mean you shouldn't bring it to the project. Um, or, or just because you don't know how to use that tool at that time doesn't mean you shouldn't bring it. I, I'd rather have everything I need to. And then when the time comes in that project, um, um, 
to, to fix an issue, I at least have that tool there. And if I need to take a, take a moment and figure out how to exactly use it and what's the best way to use it, I can do that in a time, but I, I want to have everything available and then be able to use it in the right situations, depending on, on the player or, or, or what you're dealing with. Yeah. So do you have like certain players that you know that like you have to get really analytical with them and show them all these different data points and things like that. And then I'm sure you have players that you have to like seriously simplify, like, look, you're swinging too hard because of this and it's going to cause you to ground out. Like, do you have like a certain group of guys who are like, all right, I can tell them about everything that they need to know, anything that they want to know, I can tell them. And then do you have guys that are just like, hey man, swinging too hard, you're, you're, you're uppercutting too much. Like, you have like groups of players like that? Right. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, and I, I don't think that's ever going to change. I think you're always going to have a mix of both. I do think the more and more um, – that technology is integrated into the game, you're going to start to have players. And I think this is a good thing. You're going to start to have more players who ask more questions mm -hmm. just because maybe they've been introduced to things in their development process at a young age, uh, whether that be the high school level or, or at their certain college uh, that they're coming from. And now they're in professional baseball and, and they want to know, you know, they want to get better. That's what everybody wants is they're trying to be the best they can possibly be. So they're going to ask you questions and they're going to uh, have hit a history with technology where I think there's a certain age right now that didn't never had that before. So it's very new to them. But as players are coming out of this day and age, it's not going to be new to them anymore. They're, they're going to understand it. Now they may not understand exactly how to use it or what they should look for. And maybe where they were at before didn't use it the right way. Um, but they'll at least understand it. And so I think, yeah, you, you definitely got to, that's that's part of the trust you know and get yeah. to know your player and your personnel and finding out you know how deep you can go or or maybe you do need to they don't know but you need to educate them so then you can show them this um that's that's coaching you know that's coaching it's figuring out your personnel and and then trying to do whatever you need to do to uh, to allow them to maximize and, and go play the game as free as possible yeah right. because you can't just fire out a number saying hey your gyro angle or your your spec, your spin rate or whatever. And they just know exactly what to change. Right. Because like for me, I mean, even, even just for speaking from personal, when, like, when I was doing my bullpen coming off TJ, I was already on the rap photo because I wanted to be on it from the beginning. Cause I, I liked it. I'm not a huge numbered guy, but in terms of that, it's, it's, but the, it's like what I cannot see is what the data is reading. Yeah. Like it's objective, you know, you can't argue, you, you can't, you can't, you can't argue, argue numbers, which is great. And, and that's, and that's where uh, I think a lot of players, especially are, are starting to understand themselves. is it's like, Oh, I got that ball. Good. But did you, I don't know, you know, but we can sit here and I can say, you think you got it good, but you only hit it 89 miles an hour. Right. Like, <laughs> and that is so huge. In a and a player internally understanding that they're not great. That I think that is, I think that's why you're seeing so many guys throw 95 plus. You're seeing so many guys hit 450 foot home runs with ease. It's because you're tapping into an area that before they would have ignored just because they felt good. They saw the ball fly, but then if you look, you say, "Dude, you got more in you," and you and it's hard to tell a player you got more in you because they're like, "Coach, coach, like you're stop gassing me up," and you're like, "No, you got more in you." Then you show them the number, they're like damn you're right yeah and you're like i, I, I told you so like it makes your job easier you don't have to sit there and fight with them yeah it's, it's, it no is doubt. a little connective tool for sure but uh anyway so last little segment we're going to do with you here 
we do it with all of our guests or most of our guests, at least we're going to have a little weekend pick them challenge. So we picked five nice. series for you and you've been doing research all week for this. Um, yeah, right. Um, right. Hey, he, he DM me saying, Hey, can I, can I get at least an hour, you know, to look into <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want to see what we got. I, yeah. I, I've paid attention to college baseball, but yeah. um, I at least wanted to look and, and um, test and out the gut form, instinct. Yeah. Formulate, formulate hey. an opinion based on some, some background. Yeah. Last week I went 0-5. Ben didn't tell me we were picking the winners. I thought we were picking the loser. <laughs> so I went five for five technically. You were you were playing golf. Yeah. Uh, lowest score, score wins. Yeah, you've been, you've been on this Thoreau, quarantine for too long Colin playing Thoreau, golf with everybody. I don't know if you know him. Colin Thoreau went one and four, Oklahoma State guy. Um, mm-hmm. he's with Oakland. Um, he went one and four. He DM'd a thing. What the hell is this? I thought I thought like <laughs> we were on the right track here. I don't yeah. I don't know Colin personally, but Colin's good friends with uh, with a guy, uh, Devin Kelly. So shout out to Devin Kelly who who came from was a California guy, came yeah. to uh, Western Kentucky and and actually coached at Western Kentucky for a while, but uh, is a good friend of mine. So I don't know Colin personally, but I've heard a lot of him through Devin. Making some college baseball connections now. I love it. Right. But the whole family, baseball, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. That's right. You probably saw him somewhere at like a camp or anything like that. But anyways, let's go ahead and do the five series. Let's do it. We have, we have Florida State, Miami. We have, um, who is it? Mississippi State, LSU, Arizona State, Oregon, Louisiana Tech, Tulane, and Texas A&M, Florida. So Casey, coach. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go. Um, let's go the Florida rivalry. Let's go uh, Florida State and Miami. Let's just go down the list. Yeah, Florida State, okay. Miami. Yeah, we'll go down the list. We can go Florida ben, State. You want to go first? first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, whew, this one's tough because I think this is going to be. Uh, I'm going to be an outsider on this one. Uh, something mm-hmm. about Florida State, what they did to Florida on yesterday, Tuesday. Uh, kind of showed me a little fight in those guys. They're playing with a lot more passion now than what they were beginning of the season. I think Miami's kind of sleepwalking right now. I think they're just coasting to like ser- like two one series wins in the ACC right now. I don't think they're going to be too interested on Friday night. I think Florida State wins Friday night. I think they win Sunday. They're not going to be into it. You're talking about Florida State Miami. You're talking listen, about into, listen, into uh, it. Eyeball test, in Dimitri. Gables. In hey, Gables. eyeball You're test. I've watched. It. Listen, eyeball test. I've seen both of those teams play twice in the last two weeks. Uh, not too much, but just twice the last two weeks. Florida State's showing me a little bit of fire. I'm going with the Seminoles. The Florida State cinnamon rolls. <laughs> I like it. I like we'll it. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So, oh, so it's me and then celebrity. Who's next? Last. You got All it. Right. Yeah. All so, right. Ben, you remember what the Virginia Tech guy posted on Instagram Thursday? Casey, you're going to like this. Oh, yeah. This guy for, for Virginia Tech, third baseman. Kevin Madden, he posted a picture of like a bunch of cute little pictures of him, you know, playing, baby, whoever. And he put the caption, ready for half-ass you. And this was that Florida State coming into Virginia Tech. You know, they're celebrating with the hammer and all that stuff. They're riding high. And I'm thin, I'm talking to Ben. I'm like, dude, what the hell has Virginia Tech done in the last 10 years? Where they're, still, they're, they're trying to get to a regional. Florida State thinking Omaha or bust. So he posted this. Florida State wasn't playing well. He posted this half-ass you, getting ready for half-ass you. And I'm sitting there like, dude, you know, fire up and I do that. So Florida State went in there and said, basically, they said, fuck your hammer. And they took two <laughs> out of three. Yep. And then they beat Florida's ass this weekend or last night. And I'm sitting there thinking, you just woke up the beast. You just poked the bear. But I'm a Miami fan. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm from <laughs> Miami. I'm a hurricane. Ride or die. Till the day I die, I'm a hurricane. And I think I'm going with the hurricane. Of course. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm uh, I'm going with the Knolls. 
And, and the reason, the reason I, I'm not impressed with either offense so far. Um, I do think Florida State kind of slow start and they're just starting to find it, obviously, you know, fairly new staff still there and, and still trying to find their identity and, and getting rolling. Um, but I think on the road, especially in conference, you got to trust uh, the team that's going to come out as a team with the best pitching staff. And I just think Florida State has a better pitching staff than Miami does this year. And I think both offenses are are pretty debatable. Right debatable. So, They're pretty streaky. So, both offenses are definitely streaky. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go Florida State's pitching the, staff in Coral Gables this year. They come out with with two out of three. I love it, love it, Coach. So uh, moving on to the next series, we got Mississippi State LSU. LSU I think sucks. Mississippi State I think sweeps them. I think it's pretty easy. I would be shocked to see anyone other, like pick other than that. Sweep at Alex Box. Bold statement. Yep. Sweep. 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 So sweep. You're, so you're going with Mississippi State? Oh, by far, yeah. Not even close. I mean, dude, last weekend I lost all my confidence. I went 0 and 5. <laughs> but I think Mississippi State's a layup here. I think I think they're just better. I mean, freaking they're I think they went five, four or five straight games putting posting up a shutout. They're striking out everybody. Their bullpen I I when I look at a team, I look at best who's bullpen, got the bullpen in the country. Best bullpen yeah. in the country. No doubt. I, when I'm looking at a conference rivalry series i like to i like to go through a team that i like to roll with the bullpen the team that can come in in the fourth inning or the eighth inning and shut the damn door mm-hmm. so i'm, I'm going yeah. mississippi state i agree we're all three going with the bulldogs here uh lsu the offense numbers have, have been like pretty decent i just don't think they've been challenged i, I don't think they've they played anybody and I think Mississippi State is going to come into the box, and I, I think they're going to shove it all weekend. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if they sweep them. Um, yeah, that is a hard sweep. That's a, a tough sweep. sweep. Uh, but if somebody's going to do it to LSU at the box, it's it's Mississippi State this year. Um, but if Mississippi if if LSU gets one, I, I think that's reasonable. But uh, Mississippi State's going to win the series. Yeah, so it'd be tough for them to win the series, especially when you see LSU struggle against teams like Air Force and Oral Roberts and UTSA. I mean, I mean I've, seen a lot of cel- I've seen a lot of celebrations for walk-off wins. And then I go yeah. look and I see the opponent. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you know, but Texas San Antonio blew three, three run leads an extra inning. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Last weekend. That's not, I mean, good. somebody shut the, shut the door. Mississippi state's not blowing those three run leads. That, nah, I'll tell you that, that right now. That ain't so, they're not. I like that. We're all on the same page there. I feel like that was an all easy right. series to pick. And I know that's the one we're all going to get wrong, but whatever. Um, Next series is Arizona State, Oregon. Uh, man, Oregon's been hot right now, but something about Arizona State this weekend kind of strikes my interest. So I'm going gut feeling only. Arizona State, I think, has two of the top probably 30 players in the country right now. Uh, I'm going to go Arizona State, Sun Devils. You're, cool. It's, it's cool. at Oregon, right? It's at Oregon, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And Eugene, yeah. So yeah. I told you two weeks ago, Ben, when we put Oregon in our top 25, we had a couple people commenting Oregon question mark with the laughing emoji. And I was like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. They're good, man. <laughs> and then they went to Oregon State and, dude, they shoved it up their ass Friday, mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday. I mean, it, it was like Oregon's a better team. Like, you, like it, they passed the eye test. It was not no question that we're a better team. But. You got to, you got to, I mean, Casey knows this. Some program, and we're seeing it this year, the consistency is awful this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, teams are, teams are roll, steamrolling somebody and then they get swept the next week. And you're sitting there like, dude, like, what, like, where, where's the consistency here? 
I don't know if Oregon is a program that's going to roll three weekends in a row, four weekends in a row. I think they're good. I'm not saying they're not good, but I'm going to make this pick solely based on the way the trends usually work. I think Arizona State takes two out of three at Oregon, and it's not because Oregon's not good. It's because I just don't think they're going to come off Oregon State and do it again because those, that's the best program in the country. The Bandies and the Arkansas, they know how to do that. I don't think Oregon's ready for that yet. So I'm going with Arizona State. I think uh, handling handling failure and trying to climb the ladder is is tough to do, but handling success, especially for a team who hasn't had a ton of success, is tougher. And I think Oregon coming off of last weekend, Arizona State seeing that going into Eugene. Arizona State losing, you know, a lot of the guys obviously last year, that offense, but that offense still being good and still has something to prove this year. I think against that pitching staff at Oregon, I think they're biting it. Do not pick Arizona State. I think Arizona State's biting at the bit. Damn it. Biting at the bit to go. For sure, (laughs) Moth. No. Dude, no, I, I like, I like it. that the bit to go swing at it, swing it in Eugene. And I think they're going to go in there and take, I think it'll be two out of three um, Arizona state. I, in, I agree with Eugene. that. I'm glad we talked that over because I think we're all feeling the same thing. Like it's so hard to get up two weekends in a row, especially when you beat your in-state rival um, like Oregon did last week, Arizona state is going to see that. They're going to say, you know what? Like those guys aren't any good. We're better than them. We're better. Pressure's on Oregon. Yeah. Like those guys were much higher recruits than the guys at Oregon. They're going to show them who the big brother is this weekend. So I like Arizona State going into Eugene and winning. So glad we talked that through. I got Oregon Oregon with the best uniforms all three um, days. Clean sweep. Uh, I agree. Easily, 100%. Um, so the second to last series here is Louisiana Tech and Tulane, two programs that we actually have uh, a lot of followers from, surprisingly, like two of the bigger mid-major programs that follow us. And um, this one's tough for me. This one's tough because I, I really think Tulane's going to win Friday night with our boy Oltoff, um, who came on the show as a guest, and he was unbelievable. Just a, He's like a Bronson Arroyo 2.0, but, um, and he's fun to watch. I'm going to go with Tulane just because I think Louisiana Tech has won two games in like their last two. They beat number one Arkansas, beat number four Ole Miss. They're kind of feeling good about themselves, but it's hard to go into a place like Tulane. Uh, the field's huge, uh, kind of a weird atmosphere over there in New Orleans. Players are going to be kind of pumped, and they're going to get humbled Friday night and lose all confidence. I like Tulane to win the series. Dude, the love shack is where teams go to die. And I don't know, Casey, if you saw Arkansas. I mean, that series was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Louisiana Tech is good. They are really good. But Oltoff, Oltoff is almost – at this point, he's almost automatic. He was so good against Mississippi State. Lamonis, and Lamonis is an Indiana guy, so I'm sure you know all about him. But he had the SEC umpire go check him for pine tar because he was cutting their ass up so badly. <laughs> and he literally was like, yo, check me. I, I don't have anything. I don't have anything. <laughs> and I love Lamonis. He's a Greek guy. I've talked to him. Um, he has a lot of interest in Greek baseball. Like, I love Lamonis. I, I, he, he's He's trying to get more involved, but besides the point, like Altoff is the real deal. They've and won every he's Friday. Night. Automatic. He's almost automatic on Friday night. Can Louisiana Tech win the next two? I'm going. I'm going with Louisiana Tech. Oh, that's not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> that's exactly why I did that way because I didn't want you to know what I was doing. 
I um, I think Louisiana Tech is is the real deal. Um, I think the real deal. I think they they rake. They got a good pitching staff. Uh, they do a little bit of everything. Um, I think Daniel Latham, the pitching coach at Tulane, is one of the best pitching coaches in the country. And that dude's got a lot of pride in that place. This is a huge weekend for them to get rolling. I think slap the, that uh, wall too. They want to slap the shit out of that wall. I think I, they do want to slap the wall. Yeah. That fires me up. Jew gets them going. And uh, I think at home, if this was at La Tech, I, I, I probably would go with La Tech. But I think since it's at Tulane, I think there's just a lot of pride on the line for, for, the, for the boys in green. Uh, this weekend, and, and I think Tulane's going to come out of there with two out of three. So I'm I'm taking Tulane with, with maybe what you would call as an upset uh, this this weekend for sure. So yeah. I'm taking Tulane to to win the series. All right. So uh, as of right now, me and Casey have the same picks. I think so. Um, you guys have all the same picks. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is we're going to have a little gentleman's agreement here. Uh, okay. I'm going to take the opposite of whatever coach takes. So okay. uh, this last series is Texas A&M at Florida. This is, uh, I mean, I think kind of the, the who's the contender, who's the pretender kind of thing, because we've seen both teams struggle against teams they shouldn't have this year. And we've also seen those two teams, same two teams, um, dominate. Like on the pitching side of things, score a ton of runs. It's really about who is going to be on this weekend. Um, obviously, Florida came into the season with a ton of hype, number one unanimously across the boards. And Texas A&M, after that first weekend against Xavier, was like, Oh my God, they're going to finish in dead last in SEC. But, you know, you kind of see both teams' trajectory going in the same direction right now. You know, they'll win a couple big games and then they'll lose one. I'm going to let the, I'm going to let Dimitri go first and then coach go and then I'll go last, whatever coach doesn't pick. Cause I'm, I'm okay with either way. I could see so either way happening. When I picked this series to send Casey, I didn't know. I, I picked it because I was like, I have no idea. That's why I picked you because I like the hard ones. I like the ones where you just have no idea. It could be so right or wrong. Florida has looked, they've looked terrible. I mean, last night they got boat, they got boat raced out of Tallahassee by Florida State. Texas State, Bryce Miller is probably one of, one of my favorite guys to watch. He's 96, 98, and he's not even their best guy in the pitching staff right now from a number standpoint. Children's saying look better than him. So, Tech Danum got the pitching. Florida's got the pitching too. They've got everything. I mean, that guy Sprout Ben. I told you about the freshman pumping ninety nine effortlessly, yeah. effortlessly. And you're just like, dude, this is insane. At Florida SEC opening series, I'm I'm going with the Gators. I um. I don't think A&M's been challenged other than it was Round Rock, right? They played in the Round Rock Classic. Right. Um, I think where they, you know, played some good teams there. They got challenged and they've fit for a little bit of power. They run a little bit. They're, you know, obviously have some arms. Um, I think this is the the weekend where where Florida turns up the dial. And and obviously the hype was all about them preseason. I was looking at their roster preseason. I was like, oh my, like they may go undefeated. That's how, that's how good I thought they were going to be going into the year. And, and they've been a little disappointing up to this point, but especially after the midweek and, you know, you're open up conference play. It's not like they're not talented. They have everything they need to, you know, to, to go win the, win the SEC and to, to go to Omaha. 
And I'm going to say the dial gets turned up this weekend. I think they put it on to A&M. I think they put it on them all weekend. Yeah. And I'm going to go with the Gators. I think the Gators take this one. I think you're 100% right. I think this is the weekend where everyone's saying, okay, yes. Okay, we don't look that stupid now. This is the Florida. Everyone was talking about this is the Florida. We scouted. This is the Florida. Like, this is the team. I think you're 100% right. I think Florida, I think everyone could be on Twitter or whatever saying Florida's good. Right. I agree with both of you guys, but something I, and I'm glad you guys both went with Florida because I was kind of teetering on Texas A&M or not, whether, you know, you guys picked them or not. Everybody knows the Gators in real life, you know, when it's cold outside, Mm -hmm. Gators just kind of stay still. They don't thrive or anything. And I liked when Casey said, you know, this is the week they turn it up a notch because it's spring break in Florida and all of that. But let me tell you something about Texas A&M. Dimitri hit on it. I love it. Bring so it. So I came in I came in with some research, and I just double-checked myself. But Texas A&M started the season one and three. They're now 13 and one in their last 14 games. And I know they haven't been challenged, but they have played against some pretty good opponents. Texas A&M all week has been hearing, you know, oh, the Florida Gators, you know, five All-Americans, um, you know, preseason number one, blah, 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 blah. Well, when it comes to traveling across the country, I feel like just as a former player, you get a little bit more focused than if you were playing at home. At home, you're comfortable. You know, you go to class, you, you know, hang out with the friends after class at each other's dorm rooms or houses. Texas A&M is on a business trip this weekend. And Texas A&M is going to show up Friday night and punch Florida in the mouth. And then it's a, can we win one of the next two games? And with, with Texas A&M's arms, and they do have some arms out of the bullpen as well, all they're going to need is score about three or four runs a game. And I've seen, I've seen Florida this year, kind of like last night against Florida State. When they get punched in the mouth, they kind of just give up. And they're just like, whatever. And it happened against, uh, was it Jacksonville last Friday night? You know, they get punched it in was, the mouth. Jacksonville kept coming at them. Yeah, and they just ben, kept ben, I'm going to stop you right here. I think you're just bullshitting now to just justify <laughs> no, your look, listen, pick. Listen, all I'm doing is hyping myself up. In 2021, <laughs> we're hyping each other up. I'm hyping myself up on this Texas A&M train. Thir- or 14-1 and one, or 13-1 in the last 14 games. I mean, that's hard to do. And they're going to go into Florida. They'll probably lose one, but I don't think they're losing two. I think they're going to come out with a little fight. Rob Childress is going to have them ready, and uh, I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I'm glad Casey went with Florida because I, I can – I can watch. When I, think, when I think Texas A&M and Florida, if there's one matchup – and this is total – I just thought about this, but if there's one matchup I could watch – it would be Johnny Football versus Tim Tebow. Versus Tim Tebow. They, that, and they, that, that would, would be, be a the matchup for the yeah, ages right there. That would be a great game. That's what I'm trying to watch. Right. But, Ben, Ben, you said before you're going opposite of Casey, and then you just wasted 10 minutes of our day just to justify <laughs> why you're taking Texas a and Listen, I, I mean, I had I had a case for both teams. Like, obviously, the case for Florida was just not as strong for me. You know, they, yeah, they have all Americans, and you know, they just have this beautiful new facility they just built. Hey, I, all right, I, I'm gonna ask you as a pro. I'm gonna cut you off again. You're good. You're good. Somebody tweeted at me, stop cutting Ben off, and I was like, well, I got things to say. <laughs> that was my burner account. <laughs> um, as a pro coach, what do you think about Judd Fabian being going one-one? That's that's what some of the project, draft projections are. Thing. I know you I'm staying out of these questions. I'm staying out of these. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm staying out of these questions. But yeah. that dude, that dude's a stud. So um I, I, I'm staying out of that though. But I mean you don't have to worry about the Yankees aren't picking one one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. That's, Let's hope not. I like that point. I like yeah. that point there. But um, anyways, coach, um, 
I want to say I appreciate you for coming back on. This yeah. first, second time guest, and uh, we do are officially making it the uh, the Casey Dykes Golden Fungo Award. So um, during the season, congratulations, my three so, peat, my three peat on the show will be uh, announcing the Golden announcing Fungo. Announcing it, yes, I'm, I'm down, mark it down, book it. So we're gonna come up with like a list of finalists. You you can text them, call them, interview them, kind of figure out who your guy is, and then we'll come up with our own guys and we'll figure okay. it out. But it's gonna be oh, it's gonna oh, be man. fun. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show to announce that. It's going to be a good time. Hey, Ben, don't you think we should announce the awards the, like, the night of the selection show for the regional? So for the uh, teams that maybe they don't make it, they have something to look forward to? Maybe. We'll see. Well, I, I, we really don't have a plan. We've never really had a plan with any of this. We just know we got a <laughs> podcast like twice or three times a week. So um, everything here is authentic. We're not going to schedule anything. But, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We'll put it in the, we'll put it in the chamber. But anyways, Coach – Appreciate you for taking, you know, this much time out of your day. Go back to yeah. your family, get a nice dinner. And, uh, you know, we'll be looking for Jet Dykes here, like 2036 coming out of the draft. All right. Perfect, man. I appreciate, appreciate you guys, it. man. Y'all keep going. Uh, the content is is unreal, man. Y'all just keep doing what you're doing because it's good for the game. Yes, appreciate sir. you guys. Yes, appreciate a good one.